So we got to part number four of our Be Aware series today. Um, and I want to ask you a question. Does anybody know what this is? It's a Polaroid. You're showing your age right there. And I bet the middle schoolers would be like, what is that? So I remember Polaroids growing up, and I always wanted a Polaroid, and I envied anybody who had a Polaroid. We were poor, so we couldn't afford a Polaroid. But basically, for those who don't know what a Polaroid is, this is what a Polaroid does. It's actually a camera. It takes a picture, and, uh, and it's supposed to work. <laughs> and you take a picture, and I probably went out because I took one this morning, and I messed it up. So basically, you take a picture, and... Uh, uh, an actual photograph comes out, and you get the photograph, and you shake it around for about 20 minutes, and eventually, somebody's face appears on the photograph, and you have instant photography. This was like the most genius invention ever years and years and years ago, and now everyone just takes it on their phone, and two minutes later, it's on Facebook, and the whole World Wide Web knows you know, what the pitch was all about. But I love these Polaroid cameras. Uh, the reason is is because they take the moment exactly as the moment is. If you look good, if you look bad, if you look ugly, there's nothing you can do about it because you take it and then you've got the picture. And a couple of years ago, I went home uh, to England for about a week, and uh, I pulled out all my old photographs uh, to show my wife, and I was going through with my parents, and we were laughing so hard at some of these photographs because a bunch of them were old po- Polaroids, and uh, they were just people like making these funny faces. People weren't ready. And the problem was, was the films were so expensive, you took the picture, and it wasn't like, can you take the picture again? It was like, no, that's your one shot, that's your picture. And so you get it. So it took them moment exactly how it was. But in this day and age, we have cameras on our phones, we have uh, digital cameras, uh, and then we have SLR cameras, which are everywhere. And we take photos. And then what do we do? As soon as we take the photographs, uh, you can tell the people who really don't know kind of how to take good photographs because they take a photograph and they put it straight to Facebook. But then the people who know how to take a good photograph will know a little bit about photography, what they'll do, they'll take the picture, they'll download a photo app onto their phone, and they'll change the picture a little bit, they'll change the lighting, they'll change some things. If you're like my wife, she'll open Facebook, she'll change your whole face, I mean, you can have a double chin, and then you look like you got chiseled chin, and it's great. And so, so you put these photos up, and they look amazing. You know, you put them on Instagram, and uh, the other apps that you, you, you use, you may use Photograph, or uh, Photoshop, or Lighthouse, and you can make photos look really good, but the reality is, is you've kind of messed with them. And so the photograph is now not really what it was. It looks a whole lot better than really what was happening at the time. You know, there's an old story in the Old Testament of a group of people who were slaves in the nation of Egypt. And there was a whole lot of Polaroid pictures that had been taken. And if you looked at these Polaroid pictures, you would have seen that these people in Israel, they would have been beaten. They would have been uh, treated harshly. They would have been working long hours. They would have been, uh, gone, they would have gone through a whole lot of stuff that you or me would not have liked to go through. And so these people, they've gone through so much. 
And their whole lives, they had been slaves in Egypt. Then one day, a guy called Moses comes and he goes, let my people go. And God sends all these plagues. And these people get free. And they're free of slavery. And a couple of months later, they are walking around this wilderness, this desert, and they are no longer beaten. They're no longer treated harshly. They're no longer working long hours. They're no longer uh, people who aren't free, but they are free. And, and God is providing every day for them food. He's providing this like nasty, like bready substance for them. And so they are being fed, but they started to grumble. And they started to complain, and they started to say, God, why don't you give us more food than this bread that you've been providing for us every day? And, and what happens is they started to grumble a little bit more, and then they started to say this, we were better off back in Egypt. We had all the food that we could eat. We had all the variety. We could eat what sushi we wanted, what uh, Chinese food. We had a buffet that we could go to better than Golden Corral. And, uh, you know, we could have gone to like a nice steakhouse. But now we just have this food. We want to go back to the place that we're at. And it was like these people were looking at these old photographs, but they weren't looking at the Polaroids. They were looking at these photographs that had been that had been changed by like Photoshop or some app, you know, with Instagram. And they were looking through these, these, these spectacles, these glasses that were kind of like rose-tinted. And so often I think us Christians can be a little like that. The people of Israel forgot that they were be, being beaten. They forgot that they were slaves. All they could think about was a variety of food. And sometimes I think us Christians can be a little like that. Let me explain. We come to Jesus Christ in faith and we're in a bad state. Most of us don't come to Jesus Christ when life is great and we just love life. Most of us come to Jesus Christ when we're in a bad state. We realize that we have sin in our lives and we kind of want to run away from that sin. We know that sin is destroying our lives, so we want to run away from that sin. We jump into this new life that Jesus gives us, and we're all excited. And then maybe a couple of months or a couple of years down the road, suddenly trials start coming into our lives. Problems start coming. Hard times start to come. Maybe we're broke. we got no money. Maybe we go through a season of spiritual dryness where we just can't, experience God. We can't feel God. We don't even know that God is really listening to us. We can't pray. And I'm sure most of us, I've been in situations like that myself. And we start looking through the old photographs of our old life, through the lens of like Photoshop and Instagram and all these other photo apps. And we start looking at them and we start looking with fondness. And we start looking at them at the good old days. We forget the bad, and we start remembering the times when we felt good. And instead of looking through the past with these old Polaroids, which really showed the moment, we start looking at our past in a way that it's all just been changed and it was all good. And so this morning, we're going to continue in our study of 1 Peter. And in 1 Peter chapter 4, so if you have any Bibles, if you want to turn to 1 Peter chapter 4, here... Peter tells us, and he pleads with us. And this is what he says, basically, the theme through chapter 4. Don't look back on your past 
with fondness. Don't look back on your past with fondness. But don't, exact, don't forget exactly the place that Jesus brought you from. Never forget the place that Jesus brought you from. Never forget that bad place that you may have been in in your life when you found Jesus Christ in your life. And there's four things that Peter gives us that we're to remember in our lives. And the first one is this. He tells us, remember when you had just had enough. Remember when you had just had enough. Remember the time when you just had enough of life. You had had enough of your old sinful life. You had had enough of doing things that pleased you and didn't please God. This is what he says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1 to 3. Peter says, So then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer too. For if you had suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. You won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. You have had enough in the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy, their immorality and lust, their feasting and drunkenness and wild parties, and their terrible worship of idols. So here, Peter starts chapter 4 by telling us, firstly, if you are someone who is suffering, if you're someone who's going through a hard time, you're probably someone in a place of maturity, maturity in your faith. It's like God saying, okay, you're no longer a place in your faith when you need to be coddled, when you need to be wrapped in bubble wrap or wrapped in cotton wool. He's saying, if you fall down, you're in a place in your life right now in your faith where you should be able to get back up on your feet and carry on walking. One thing about Generation Church, I don't know what it is, but we got like a ton of like three, two, three, four-year-old boys. And when they get together, it is crazy. Crazy. If you stay around here like after everyone else is gone, these kids are running around this place. And I just want to like lock them in the bathroom or something. I mean, it's just like, we're running. But they're crazy. But have you noticed with toddlers, the very first time that they fall down, their immediate response is this. They firstly, they look up to their mom or look up to their dad. Mostly it's their mom because dad's like, get up. And they look up and then they start to cry. They don't get up by themselves. They wait for their mom to come and pick them up. Why is that? Because for all their lives, whenever they've fallen down, their parents has been there to pick them up. Somebody has been there to pick them up. Sometimes we're like that in our faith. When we come to Christ, we fall down, and God comes with his big arms, and he picks us up. We look up, and we can't move. We can't walk. We fall. We hurt ourselves. God comes and picks us up. But have you noticed with a toddler, you can't do that all their lives? You can't have a, a, a child who's nine years old who falls down and starts to cry. And, 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 you know, the mom comes, oh, I'll come and pick you up. 
A child can't develop if the parent keeps picking them up. So what happens is there comes that point, and it's always hard for the parents. The child falls down. They look at their mom. They start to cry, and their mom just looks away. No, never, right? And at that moment, it's time for the child to get back off on themselves. When, if you were here after service, you'd see all these four-year-olds, three, four-year-olds running around going crazy. They're constantly falling down and stuff like that. And they just get back up, you know? I mean, it's great. I don't know about the girls. The girls are a little more delicate. But the, the boys, they start to cry. And you're like, get back up. And they get back up. Why? Because they're at that place in their lives where they realize how to get back up by themselves. And this is true in our walk of faith. God will pick you up if you can't get up by yourself. If you're in a place, if you're in a hole in your life where you seriously can't get back up, if you have faith in God, God will come and pick you up. But there will come a time in your faith where God won't pick you up. Because you come to a place of maturity where God says, okay, it's time to get up by yourself. And that's always the hardest place to be in life. And sometimes you get to that place where you feel God is not picking you up and you just want to go back to your old life. You want to go back to a place where, where you felt just comfortable, where, 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 where God wasn't involved. Because when God doesn't pick you up, it's a hard place to be. But kids, they learn just to get up and carry on. And Peter is saying this. You get to a point in your Christian life where it's time to get up and keep going. That life, that faith that God has in you, that you have in God, you need to get up and you keep going. There comes a point where you fall and you look back at your old sinful life and you realize you just had enough of that life and you never want to go back to that life. And you get up and you start running towards the new life there is in Jesus Christ. And he says this, he says, remember that time when you just had enough of sin? Remember that time when you just had enough of doing the wrong thing? You know, when I was in my late teens, early 20s, I, I just went through a time where I went to church, you know, I read my Bible, but I wasn't living a life for God. I was living a life for myself, and I would go out partying with my friends. We'd go dancing, and, you know, every Friday night, we'd be at the club, and, you know, and, you know, I thought I was it, but I obviously wasn't. And, 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 and we would go out, and we would live for these Friday nights and Saturday nights. And I remember one time, it was one Sunday morning, I walked into church, I'd been at a party, and I had drank a little too much the night before. And the funny part of this is I drank this thing called Malibu. And, and my friend, my friend uh, we were at my friend's party, and, we, and they didn't live far from the church. So that morning, we both got up. My friend and my, uh, 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 my friend Adrian. Adrian, Adrian was uh, this like, tall African-American guy who like, was really fast. And all the girls loved him because his, his sister was a pop star. And he was a great guy. But, but he used cocoa butter all the time. And so he'd like, put all his like, stuff on uh, like, his skin with cocoa butter. And 
we had actually drank a little too much. Well, the smell of the cocoa butter was the same as Malibu. And so the mor- that morning, we were walking to church, and I was just gagging all the way to church because all I could smell was this cocoa butter. I'm like, dude, walk like 10 yards ahead of me. But I remember that morning, I walked into church and started worshiping, and suddenly this tear started coming down my eyes. And my dad had preached that day. My dad was a pastor. And after service, he invited people to the front who wanted just to recommit their lives to Christ because they'd walked away from Christ. And I remember that moment. God did something incredible in my life. God changed me completely. And I realized the life that I had been living was a life for myself, and it wasn't for God. And and after that point, I didn't want anything to do with partying after that. God just changed me. About a month later, we had been out Friday night with, with my friends, and there was a place that we used to go called the Light Bar, and it was, it was just this nice place we used to go, and we had sat down, we'd had something to eat, they had had a, something to drink, and, and then they all decided they wanted to go to this place called Club UK. It was like the biggest club in the city that we were in, and they wanted us to go, and, and so they're all up for it. And before that transformation, I was the one saying, hey, let's go here. Let's go there. I was a great pastor's kid. You know, I was leading all the other like, kids at church, you know, where they should go. And, the, and, and everyone was up for this night going out. And I remember I stood up. I said, guys, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And they looked at me like, what? Why don't you want to go? I'm like, trust me. I'm just, I just, I'm done with this life. So I said, I'm just done. I'm done with clubs. I'm done with all this stuff. I'm like, this life is just not good. I'm like, this life, I'm living for myself, and I don't want to do that anymore. And they started making fun of me. They're like, yeah, whatever, you know, Scott, start calling me names. I remember, and these were the church kids. And, uh, uh, and I, uh, I just walked home from downtown and where we were at, and it was about a two-and-a-half-mile walk, and it was late at night. And I just walked home, and I just started praying for my friends, praying for my friends. Because God had transformed my life. And there was something about that past life. Yeah, we had fun, but there was something that just sickened me about it, that I didn't want. I'd had enough of that life. And this is what Peter's saying. He says, remember that time when you just had enough? You'd had enough of sinning. You'd had enough of doing things that you knew just weren't right. And Peter says this. He says, at this moment, you may suffer a little. You may go through some hardships a little. But don't forget that time when you had had enough. You were fed up with your sinful life and you had to do something about it. And sometimes we are unaware in our lives of the place that Christ has brought us out of. You know, I'll never forget that day, that Sunday morning in church when God just transformed my life once again. I'll never forget it because I just had enough. The second thing that Peter tells us, he says, Not just remember when you just had enough, but also remember what's going to happen to your old friends. Remember what will happen to your old friends. This is what he says. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 4. says, of course, your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do. So they slander you. But remember that they will have to face God who will judge everyone, both the living and the dead. That is why the good news was preached to us who are now dead. So although they were destined to die like all people, they now live forever with God in the Spirit. This is what Peter's saying. He says, 
you're going to get some stick from your old friends for not living the life anymore. If you've ever had a bunch of old friends used to do a whole lot and you've changed your life and now you've had enough of that old life, your friends are going to look at you and think that you're weird. They're going to think that you're just strange. Why aren't you doing the things that we used to do? And in fact, some of them will even try to entice you into the things you used to do. They're going to entice you into the things that you used to do. That's what Peter says. He urges you, remember that God will judge them for their sinful behavior. Remember that God will judge them for their sinful behavior. And instead of just going back and, you know, you're like, I want to be a good friend to them. And you slip back into your old ways and the things that they're trying to entice you to do. Instead of doing that, remember that you have an opportunity to reach out to them with the new life that's now in you. There's a new life that is in you. And you have the opportunity now to reach those people for Jesus Christ. I look at my friends and I'm thinking, and some of them still are in a place where they're living for themselves and their lives are miserable. And I just wish, I wish they could have experienced what I experienced that Sunday morning. Because my life changed and it got transformed into a new person. And I remember just not wanting anything of that old life. It was just so empty and cold and horrible. And this new life that God gave me was incredible. And it was alive and it was living. And you have that in you. And you have the opportunity to tell your former friends or your friends about that. Remember your friends. And this may seem harsh this morning. But if you believe the words of this book, your friends who are living lies for themselves and not living for God, they are on a collision course with a lost eternity in a place called hell. That's where they're at. Never forget that. And you have the opportunity with this new life within you to tell them about the new life of Jesus so that that collision course will not happen and they will be put on a new course and that they could be heaven bound. So when they try to entice you, because they will, they may be good friends, but they don't understand. Remember, you now are on a course with heaven, and you have the opportunity to bring them along as well. Remember what will happen to your old friends. Peter continues. Third thing he wants us to remember. He says, remember the gifts that God has supplied you with. Remember the gifts that God has supplied you with. This is what he says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7 to 11. It says, the end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, continue to show love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself was speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and the energy that God supplies. 
then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. That's what he says. So he says, firstly, we don't know when this world is going to end. But Peter says there's going to be a time when this world ends. We don't know. The Bible tells us that Jesus will return to this earth one day. We don't know when that is happening. We used to hear about it all years ago when we were, when we were young. And we'd be in Sunday night service. And the preacher was saying God could come back tonight. And, you know, really kind of guilt people into following Jesus and stuff. And some worked, some didn't. And, and, and we used to hear it all the time. But the reality is, is that this world will end one day. We don't know when that is. But one thing I am sure about, it's closer today than it was yesterday. I mean, that's just obvious. It's closer today than it was yesterday. But this is what Peter says. Because the world will one day end, and he says it will end soon. I mean, I don't know if he's thinking 2,000 years is soon or not. I don't know. But, but he says it will end soon. He says this. He says you are to pray. And not just pray for yourself, but you're to pray for others as well. He, said, he says, pray for one another. You know, you can always judge how somebody uh, cares for others. You can always judge the heart of somebody by listening to their prayers. When you listen to someone's prayers, people who aren't compassionate for others or loving for others rarely pray for anyone but themselves. You know, I, I was saying to the marriage group that we have on Fridays, this past Friday, that when I first got married, I never prayed for our marriage. I actually really didn't pray for my wife either. I kind of just prayed for myself. God, do this, do this, do this. Help me in this, help me in that. And I remember the day, the decision that I decided to pray for my wife. Before I prayed for myself to pray for my wife and pray for our marriage. It was just like our marriage has become a whole lot better. And we've always had a good marriage, but it's like God just started to use that marriage in new ways. God was in that marriage in new ways. Same with friends as well. I've always had like lots of different friends, but the day I decided to start praying for my friends and the people closest to me, those relationships just started to get enhanced. And they, they, they got a lot deeper. And you can always tell someone if they're loving or compassionate towards others in how they pray. And I ask you today, how are you praying? When you come to God and pray, do you just pray for yourself or do you pray for others? Is your heart just about yourself or is it about others? But Peter just doesn't just stop there. He didn't just say, just pray for one another. He actually says, also show hospitality to each other. Open your home to each other. Share a meal with each other. One of the things I love to do, I love to eat. I mean, it's just great. I love to eat. And there's so many places to eat. But I don't like eating by myself. You know, I'm not like like in my bedroom on myself, just like stuffing myself. Oh, this is great. You know, when you eat, it's great to share it with other people. And this is what Peter's saying. He says, I mean, it's really practical stuff. If you really care for other people, show hospitality, open your home, share a meal with one another. Why are we to do this? 
Because you have a new life in you. The life of Jesus is in you. And and this life isn't to be lived alone. This life is to be shared. But furthermore, he, he tells us that God has given us gifts. Each of you have gifts from God. You know, like in Lord of the Rings where, you know, the very first one where they're all giving gifts, like someone got a cloak, someone got like arrows, like potions, and they got gifts to use. God has given each of you gifts. And these gifts aren't to be used just for yourself. They're used to serve each other. You know, before you became a follower of Jesus, this is probably what happened. You, unless you were like a kind-hearted person and you liked other people, most of us are like this. We use our gifts for our own good. The gifts that God has given us, we use them to get ahead. We use them maybe to be more financially secure, to get uh, further up the career ladder. Maybe you use them to become a little bit more popular, to like stalk Facebook and get as many Facebook friends as you can. And I mean, some of you, you got a gift with Facebook. Let me just tell you. I mean, the amount of comments some of you have, I'm like, you go crazy. But one thing I've noticed, if a mother says something about a baby, it's like you've got 50 million comments, all the mothers. Just, just something I've noticed, okay? Nothing to do with what I'm talking about. <laughs> but maybe you've used them to get ahead, or maybe you've used your gifts to get out of others things that you've wanted and what you've needed. And, and the problem for a lot of us is this, is that we come to Jesus Christ, we come to faith in Jesus Christ, and that mentality is still in our minds. A lot of us, we come into church, and I've been there and done it. We come into church with this mentality of, how can this church help me? It's what they do, and I've been there. I've been there, and I've done it. How can this church help me? And kind of their motto is this, feed me, feed me, feed me. I remember there was a point in my life where I didn't want to volunteer, I remember we had different, we could be an usher, we could hand out the communion, we could do parking lot duty, which I hated because like people always breaking into our cars growing up and in our parking lot. And so you'd be out there chasing off all these youths and stuff. And I was one myself and I'm more like hiding under the cars when they came. But, but, but we had all these different things we could have about with the kids. And I constantly said, no, it's okay, I don't want to do that. Do you know why? Because I wanted just to be fed. I wanted to be fed. I wanted to come to church, get my church on, and get out the door. That's what I wanted to do. And I remember that there was a time in my life when I realized if I want anything out of this relationship with God, I've got to start serving the people of God. God has given me gifts, and I realized if I don't use these gifts, then I'm going to lose these gifts. You know, God doesn't give you gifts just for you to like have it at home and you're like, oh, my precious, you know? I mean, that, that's not what God does. God gives you gifts to use. And it's what Peter's saying. He's basically saying, if you've got gifts, use them. And let me get practical with you this morning. If you can sing, if you can play an instrument, don't just sit there. Get involved with the band. Get involved in the band. You know, if you can teach kids or if you can love on kids, don't just sit there. God has given you a gift. It's a gift to be able to love on kids, let me tell you. Get over the house and start volunteering. Yeah, but I'll miss service. Who cares? God doesn't care. 
God wants you to be serving. That's what he wants. He's giving you those gifts. God is more pleased with you when you are serving and loving on kids than you are here getting your church on. Even though it's important to come into service you know, and be fed. It is important. But God desires you to use those gifts. You know, if, if you like meeting people, you know, if you like shaking hands and you don't put sun hand, uh, sanitizer on every time you shake someone's hand, if you do, then greeting is not for you. But if you like meeting people, then become a greeter. That's because God has given you a gift. Use that gift. If you like to serve people, get involved in hospitality and a lot of our events. If you like connecting people together, get involved in small groups and different things. If God has given you a gift, then God wants you to use that gift. And Peter says, remember the gifts that God has given you. Very quickly this morning, last thing. Remember when you couldn't go it alone. Remember when you couldn't go it alone. We haven't got time to, 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 to read uh, the rest of, uh, all the rest of the chapter, but this is basically what he says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. He says, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through, as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad, for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering, so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to the world. He says, so be happy when you are insulted for being a Christian. Then, for then the glorious spirit of God is upon you. And then the very last verse of chapter 4, he says this. If you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right. And trust your lives to the God who created you, for he will never fail you. God will never fail you you. And Peter finishes this chapter by talking about trials and problems and hard times. And the very first century Christians, they suffered greatly for their faith. They were beaten, spat upon, mocked, cast aside. Some were even murdered because of their faith. And even though you won't be beaten and spat upon, even though you won't be murdered, you may be mocked for your faith. You may go through times when your friends or uh, relations, they don't want anything to do with you because of your faith. And this is why. When you receive Christ in your life, you were once in darkness. Now you've been transformed into God's amazing light. His glorious light. You are now a light that shines. When you go into a dark place, that light shows up all the blemishes, all the sin, all the nastiness. And that's why when you came to Christ, you started realizing there might have been things in your life that you need to get rid of because the light was shining in you and you started seeing things that you'd never seen before. And when you go into your friends who don't know Christ and now you are light, you are shining a light and they start seeing things in their lives. And some are receptive to it, and they realize, I need to change my life. But there are others, they hate the fact that you are now a light. And they want you to go back into the darkness so that their blemishes and sins are no longer illuminated. And that's what's going to happen. And there's people, they're going to mock you, 
They're, they're, they're not going to want to be around you. They're not going to want to be with you because of that very reason. Not because you're a bad person. Not because they don't like you anymore. It's because now your life now illuminates the sin in their life. And Peter says there's a time when you couldn't go through life alone. And now you may suffer for Christ. God is with you. Your life is bringing glory to the name of Jesus Christ. And he says, keep going. No matter what problems go on in this life, keep going. For God will never fail you. Let's be aware of where we have come from. Let's be aware of where we have come from. Be aware of the dark place that you were once in in your life and where you are now. Be aware of, 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 of the children of Israel who, who wanted the good old days back because they were looking through the, the lens of a photoshopped photo instead of a Polaroid photo. It's time to take out the Polaroids and remember the real person that you were before you met Jesus Christ. Then if you suffer and you go through hard times, you'll realize going back is not an option. But looking onward and upward is the only way to go. And you may be in that place today where you are still in a place of darkness. And you've said, you know what? I've had enough of this life. I've had enough of this sin in my life. I need something else. And that something else is the life of Jesus Christ. You give your life to him, ask him for forgiveness, and invite him to direct your life. Then he will start a new life within you, and it will be a life that is walking in the light, and he will never fail you. Some of you in this place today, you've given your life to Jesus Christ, but you felt yourself slipping back into that old life. Today is a day where you can come back back into that relationship with Jesus Christ, back into that light and experience the wonders of this new life with Jesus Christ. Today is a day where you can say, I've had enough and you start moving forward in the things that God has for your life. Let's bow our heads and pray.